Pastor Jeff and Debbie are not here. <laughs> um, they're not with us because they were able to travel down to Atlanta and celebrate Christmas and New Year's with their grandchildren and their sons. So uh, let's give them a round of applause for that. And you're like, why are you giving them a round of applause for that? Pastor Jeff has sacrificed so many Christmas Eves to be here with us that it's great that he was able to get out and see his grandchildren open presents on Christmas Day and things like that. They're currently traveling home, and then they got to go through COVID uh, travel precautions and things like that. So the goal is that they will be back with us next week. So um, that's great. So going further, I've got a question. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I have a joke. <laughs> wait, and, and oh, Taylor's gone, but let this be the first Becky joke of 2021, right? Well, let the it first. Be. Well, now I have all my, my youth group kids in here, so you guys know they, they call me the joke master, so I thought I'd share a joke with the adults. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. On New Year's Eve, why was six afraid of nine? Because nine, eight, seven. <laughs> Don't encourage her, please. You get it? <laughs> but we would like to... Um, <laughs> Ask a question, and it's a, it's a big question. How many people were blessed by Christmas Eve service? Right? That, that service, I'm, I'm clapping, I don't know about you. That service was a tremendous blessing. Um, thank you to everybody who took part in it, all the way from the littlest kids, all the way up to the biggest grown adults from all our pastors, all our elders, for the audio team, and Mr. John Hussey, who put all the puzzle pieces together. Thank you so much for making that a service that glorified God. We hope that you and your families were able to enjoy that and we'll never know this side of heaven how many people that impacted. Uh, good morning. And to piggyback off what Jeremy uh, just shared about our Christmas Eve service, um, I want to encourage you to watch, if you haven't, the amazing message Pastor Jeff preached last Sunday um, titled Reveal the Sun. It's a very important and timely message from God about prayer and fasting as we begin 2021. And it's available on our Facebook and YouTube um, channels or pages, and it's dated 1227. So please take time to listen to that message. Um, we hope and pray that your prayer and fasting are going well and that the RLC prayer and fasting guide has been a help to you. We'd like to just say hello to all of the Quest youth that are here. We're sorry we're not on the other side what we call it, but we're glad that you guys are here with us today, and you guys will be blessed just like everybody else is. But I, we want to remind you that Christmas is over. <laughs> Unless you live in Mercedes and Jordan's house where there's like seven Christmas trees. <laughs> Eight. <laughs> Sorry. People have started to take down their trees. If you're driving down the road, you just see tree after tree. Um, nativity sets are being put away. Streets have become dark. We live in a, in a rural road, but everybody lights their house up for Christmas. And like, there's only three houses on the road, the road, not a street, the road now that are lit up. So it's become a very dark place. But we must remember that we don't only need to celebrate Christmas on December 25th, or even from Thanksgiving to New Year's. It's something that we can celebrate year round. Because on Christmas, we receive the greatest gift of all, and that's Jesus. And we have the opportunity to celebrate him each day. So we're going to take a minute and we're going to watch a video and see what the skit guys have to say about this. All right, that takes care of the back of the house. You want to you go around and take the lights off the front? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, hey, by the way, thank you. If it wasn't for you, I don't know who'd get on that roof. You are awesome. Yeah. He's, uh, is that the house you're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. They leave their lights up all year round. They leave their lights on all year long. Here, check it out. So they leave their lights on all year long? All year long. And those bulbs change according to whatever holiday season it is. Get out. Can't wish I could. So like July 4th? Those bulbs come red, white, and blue. Thanksgiving. Harvest colors. Halloween. Black and orange. Memorial Day. Camouflage. Get out. Can't wish I could. 
I, I bet it's embarrassing for the neighbors. Oh, the neighbors. We're totally embarrassed. We complain about it all the time. Oh, and when there is no holiday season going on, those bowls become little red hot chili pepper lights. What? <laughs> yep. Give me one good reason why you should celebrate the pepper. <sighs> Can't wish I could. It's like your neighbors are in the Motel 6. My wife, she's always saying, let's just leave the lights on just a little bit longer, let you stay in the spirit of things. But when Christmas is over, you take down the lights, am I right? I don't know. I'm not even the right guy to ask. I don't even put lights on my house. Why don't you put lights on your house? I'm afraid of heights. But the question is, why do you put lights on your house? To celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, all that kind of stuff. There you go. That's your answer. What? If you don't want to celebrate Christ all year long, then take the lights down. That's not what I was saying. You're putting words in my mouth. You're siding with my wife. Hey, hey, I'm not siding with anyone. I'm, and I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you and God were, uh, you know... On the outs? Yeah. We're not on the outs. Me and God, we're very tight. We're very, very tight. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Prove it. Prove what? Are you daring me to leave my lights on all year long? Hey! No dare here. I'm just saying, you gonna let your little light shine? Wait! Man the ladder, my friend. What? Man that ladder. We're gonna get back up there and hang these lights. No, 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 oh, I was just kidding. Oh, yes. It is gonna be a proclamation of my faith. Didn't you hear? I I'm afraid of heights. You're already up there. <laughs> Honey, honey, get the apple cider ready. Put up the Perry Como records. These lights are gonna shine. <laughs> get back here. These lights have to shine. Well, that was like a bad puppet show. <laughs> but, but hopefully you got the idea of the video, right? Um, it's actually one of my favorites, and it's called Let Your Light Shine. But we've heard this concept recently, if you listen to last week's message from Pastor Jeff, when he spoke about the words of 2021 being, reveal the sun. Pastor Jeff shared with us that that's what we're supposed to do in 2021. And today, Becky and I are going to share four ways on how we can let our light shine to those all around us. The first Christmas gave the world Jesus. Today's message is titled, Let Your Light Shine. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you that most importantly you are here, Lord, and that your word is going to go forth. We thank you for everybody who's going to hear it, Lord. And we ask that it be applied to their lives, Lord. We thank you for your spirit that's going to speak through us, Lord. And most importantly, that we give you all praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, let's begin. So one way to let your light shine is to share the hope we have in Jesus. The moment Jesus was born, he brought hope to all mankind. As Christians, we are to share this hope with those we come in contact with. So being a teacher, I always like to find the definition of words. <laughs> and I looked up what hope means. In um, the noun, there's two definitions. There's a noun and a verb. So the noun definition is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or the events will turn out for the best. Hope used as a verb is to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence, to, to believe, desire, or trust. See, the world's definition of hope is so different from Christ's definition of hope. The world's definition of hope is in the direct circumstance which is always changing. So for example, if financially your hope is in the stock market, you are going to be riding the roller coaster. But our hope is in the Lord. He is the only one who is constant and never changing. And when we live our lives looking to God with reasonable confidence, believing and trusting in him, not the circumstance, then we reveal his son. The Lord himself is the source of hope because he determines our future. He has all of our futures in the palm of his hand. In Psalm 25, verse 5, the NIV version, it says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. 
and my hope is in you all day long. As Christians, our hope is in him and the confidence that his promises, his word is true. No matter what circumstance we are in or trial that we're going through, everything around us can be crumbling, but we can still have peace, joy, because our hope is in our Heavenly Father. Hebrews 6, verses 18 through 19, says, God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So we can run to him for refuge and with courage, for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So I'm, my mind is going back to um, our boat, and we have this teeny tiny anchor that we seem to forget each year to buy a bigger one. So when we go to throw this teeny tiny anchor out, it never holds our boat. We always have to tie on either to somebody else with a stronger anchor. So when the storms of life come and when they hit, God should be our anchor. He should be the first one we turn to. And God cannot lie because he is truth. God, therefore, cannot break his promises. His word stands forever. He must be trusted as our hope because he alone conquered death by raising Christ from the dead, his only son. However, knowing all of this and having a relationship with our Lord, can we still lose our hope? Oh, yes. <laughs> the moment we begin to lose hope, it's because we've lost sight of God and his promises. Psalm 119.43 says, Do not snatch your word of truth from me. For your regulations are my only hope. When we are focusing on our circumstance and we forget to consult God, we do. We forget to consult him and ask him for help and guidance. We focus on that huge mountain ahead of us and we think, how am I ever going to get through this? How am I going to move on, right? We put it all on us. We begin to place the entire burden or trial on our shoulders and try to carry it ourselves. We also lose hope when we begin to believe that our circumstance is too big or too difficult for God. We forget about God's power and his love for us. Proverbs 13:12 says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." This can happen when we begin to become tired or exhausted with our circumstances, we can become filled with fear or worry that we will never see a victory or find a peace in the storm because our circumstance is insurmountable. How many of us or people we know are losing hope because of the coronavirus? Our lives have been rocked by this pandemic. And I've said it and I've heard countless others say, I just wish we could go back to life before coronavirus. And I've been guilty of just losing hope and thinking, how are we ever going to come through this pandemic, right? You may have one trial after another, after another coming at you, and you just want rest. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So begin to take your eyes off your circumstances and focus on God's power and his love for you. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the one who seeks him. So how do we hold unswervingly to this hope? We need to be in his word. 
And when we're in his word, we are in his presence. There is no better place to be than in his presence, wrapped in his arms and meditating on his promises. When we are in his word, reading the Bible, that is where we will find our joy, our peace, our strength, and our hope. Romans 15, 4. It says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Patiently, right? That's a key word. Patiently. Each day we can visit God's word and have our hope renewed and reinforced. His word never fails or wavers. Psalm 119, 114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. We cannot imagine all that God has in store for us, both in this life and in eternity. Sometimes we get our eyes focused on this world and the present situation. But in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. He will create a new heaven and a new earth. And we will live with him forever. Until then, he has given us his Holy Spirit to comfort and to guide us. Knowing the wonderful and eternal future that awaits us gives us hope and courage to press on in this life, to endure hardship. This world is not all there is. The best is yet to come. As we press on through this life, we need to press into him. Our hope in God during our trials and our hardships will be a testimony to the unbelievers around us to, who so desperately need to hear about the hope that is in God and who desperately need his love and direction in their lives. I would like us to speak and profess this verse together, but we're going to switch a few words. So where you see, we're going to read the words in the parentheses. So instead of saying you, you're going to say I or me. All right, so we'll say this together. May, May the, the God, God of hope fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in him so that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may you overflow to all those around you. And now Jeremy's going to speak about the second way we can shine our light to others. The second way we can shine our light to others is by showing them love. When we think about 2020, how much love can you recall? In many people's eyes, it was filled with awful acts against humanity, awful campaigns for the presidency, and has left a lot of people feeling lonely, isolated, and even unloved. We can no longer shake hands, give hugs, or even kiss some of our loved ones. At this time, where we begin to reveal our hope in God, the world needs to be revealed to God's love. Love for all, black, white, Mexican, Asian, Indian, and every other ethnicity, Democrat, Republican, conservative, left-wing, God loves us all. The world needs love. Let's be clear. We do not need to agree with or affirm the actions or words that don't support biblical beliefs. But we are commanded to love all because God created them and everyone is created in the image of God. We are to love because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 in the Passion Translation reads as this. And it's long, and we're going to just look at the highlighted portions, but I'm going to read it first. It says, Those who are loved by God, let them love continually, pour, let love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences the intimate knowledge of him. And the one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God, love shined within us, when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. 
He loved us long before we loved him. And his love is not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones. If you loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be a way, your way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought into full expression in us. Which, that's long, and there's a lot to unpack there. We're going to look at the highlighted portions. We're going to start with verse 7. It says, Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Now I look at my life, and I know I'm loved by God, and I know his love is not continually pouring out of me. Right before Thanksgiving break, my daughter's junior high principal sent out a message to the students and families, and I'm going to read it. It goes as follows. You are holding a cup of coffee when someone comes along and bumps into you or shakes your arm, making you spill the coffee everywhere. Why did you spill the coffee? Because someone bumped into me. Wrong answer. You spilled the coffee because there's coffee in your cup. Had there been tea in your cup, you would have spilled tea. Whatever is inside your cup is what you will spill. Therefore, when life comes along and shakes you, which will happen, whatever is inside you will come out. It's easy to fake it until you're rattled. So we have to ask ourselves, what's in our cup? When life gets tough, what spills over? Joy, gratefulness, peace, and humility? Or is it anger and bitterness, harsh words and reactions? Life provides the cup. We choose how to fill it. Each day we should work towards filling our cups with love, which can be expressed through gratitude, forgiveness, joy, words of affirmation, kindness, gentleness, and pointing others to our hope in God. As we continue to look at 1 John, it also goes on to say, everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences the intimate knowledge of him. When we show the love to others, deservingly or undeservingly, it will draw us closer to God and we will experience that intimate knowledge. When we look at the word intimate in the dictionary, it's defined as closely acquainted, familiar, close, private and personal, or a very close friend. I have a desire for God to reveal those private and personal things to me. Another way to look at the word intimate is in to me see. When I love, I'm able to see how God loved me with all my imperfections, my hang-ups, and it makes it easier for me to love others. Verse 11 is another high point of this scripture, as we can see, and that's highlighted in the green. Loving one another should be a way of life. Let's remember why loving one another should be that way of life. It is because God showed us his immeasurable love by sending the greatest gift of all, Jesus. Because also allowing his son Jesus to die for us so we can have eternal life. That's the love that we need to, to share. Verse 12 wraps it up very nicely where it says, But if we love one another, God makes a permanent home in us and makes our permanent home, and we make our permanent home in his. His love is brought into its full expression in us. I don't know how many of you are aware here in the sanctuary or at home that life is the middle name of this church and what it actually stands for. Life stands for love in full expression. And that's exactly what this scripture is talking about. We can have that love and we can love people fully and express that. The more clearly we and the people we come in contact with see love, the more clearly they will see God. The more clearly and fully we express love, the more clearly and fully we will express God to all those we come in contact with. Love is what we should be spilling. But I know it's not always easy to love. There are those people 
And sometimes those people are me. Wouldn't you all agree? But God continues to love us even in our ugliest moments, and that's when we are called that's what we're called to do with others also. Let's take a look at Matthew 5:43 in the message. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and it's the un, and it's unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with energies of prayer. For then you are working out your, your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish, to everyone regardless the good and bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, what do you expect? A bonus? Anyone can do that. If simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. That hurts. That's like a knife. It's not like a scalpel where it's just cutting off a little bit. That really stings. But boy, is it powerful and it's life-changing. If we get a grip on it and put it into action, loving our enemies is not easy, but it can be done. I know this because Jesus loved me for 25 years where I didn't even know he existed. And I would have considered myself his enemy at that time. But he's turned me around. He's come in my life and he's drastically changed me. And I wouldn't be the person I am today without him. This scripture calls us to respond with energies of prayer for our enemies or those who rub us the wrong way. Pray for your enemy? The last thing I want to do is even be around him. But these prayers do not change that person, but rather for God to reveal what it is in us that it's standing in the way of loving that person. When we use prayer to evaluate our grievances with an individual, God will show us where our heart is not right. Praying for the individual also allows us to look at the person through God's lens of love, which often gives us a little bit of understanding of the person's perspective or situation. And we are able to show that person compassion, grace, love, mercy in a way that they've never seen it before and in a way that we've never seen them before. That's what prayer can do. We're supposed to give everyone our best because that's what God's done for us. Now that's a challenge. I can give my best when my job's on the line. I can give my best when I want to get something out of it or just to help a friend out. But to give my best to my enemy that's a whole new level. What does our best look like? I can't give you specifics, but I knew, do know that our best is always bringing glory to the Lord. In verse 38, it says, live generously and graciously towards others, the way God lives towards you. I know God gives me his best, so I know that I can give others my best as well. But how do I do this? One way is through service, as we see in Matthew 20, 28. Do as I did. The Son of Man did not come for people to serve him. He came to serve others and to give his life to save many. An easy way to show someone you love them or some you respect and honor is to serve them. Our actions speak louder than our words. Love is a verb. It's not a noun. I can tell my wife I love her, or I can show my wife I love her. Now, I can show her by kissing, but I benefit from that. Those actions do not really show my love. What really shows my love is when I do the dishes when she comes home late from work, or when dinner's prepared and she didn't expect it to be, or when I rub her feet and I really don't enjoy that. That's love. Or when I plan a date night that was unexpected. The expected is just what's expected. 
And words are just words. But love is an action. And we should all be using it each and every day. So how do we serve our enemy? Just as Jesus did when he washed the feet of Judas with humility. This is my commandment, that I love, that you love one another just as I have loved you. There is no greater love, no one has shown stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, but he still got on his knees, pulled out the towel, and washed his feet. If Jesus can do that, how much more distance, how much more do we have to strive to show love to our enemies or those people who rub us wrong? We usually try to avoid them. When we shine love into others, we put aside our own lives for the benefit of them. Now, I've heard it said that 10 seconds of your life can change a person's life forever. We have no idea what somebody's going through. But God gives us opportunities all the time. We can take that opportunity or we can miss it. But I can tell you that 10 seconds of your life could save somebody's life forever. So don't ever, when it talks about laying your life down, it's not really physically, but it's setting your plans aside to follow the will of God and do what God's called you to do. When we shine love into others, we put aside our own lives for the benefit of others. We have no idea what can happen or how a person's life can change. So let's start spilling love. Here's Becky to talk about the third way we can shine to others. Okay. Our third way that we can shine our light to others is by our strength. Speaking of strength, what kind of common bird has the strength to lift a steel beam? A crane. No. Come on. No. First service no. was much better. No. <laughs> okay. Jokes are over. Yeah, that was my last one. When we hear the word strength, our mind automatically thinks of physical strength. Going to the gym to work out, muscles, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger. But obviously our physical strength is not what brings people to an understanding of who Jesus is. The strength that I'll be speaking about is an inner strength that only comes from God. When we fully understand how big and strong our God is, then we will receive his strength and use it to glorify him. Growing up, I remember that I had a picture of a gymnast hanging on my wall. It was framed, and she was jumping off or above the balance beam, like doing the split. And um, I looked at it often because I couldn't believe how strong this girl looked. Her muscles were like popping out all over the place. However, the words that were written on that picture next to the gymnast said, do not pray for an easy life. Pray to be a strong person. As I grew older, I finally realized that I shouldn't be praying to be a physically strong person like that gymnast, but I needed to pray to be strong in the Lord. God never promised us that once we became a Christian, that our life would be easy and problem-free. In John 16, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the time that he will no longer be with them. And Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We will have troubles as Christians, just like everyone else. But as Christians, we have the promise from God that he will be with us. He will give us the strength we need, and he is the overcomer. We don't have to face our trials alone. Isaiah 43, verse 2, God promises, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So we need to keep our faith in God and trust in him and believe in his promises. 
Because in difficult times, it can often feel like our faith is being challenged, and we often question God. Have you ever had those difficult why God conversations with him? I have. But in our difficult times, it's when we have the greatest opportunity to testify to others around us. God will use our tough times for his glory. When we find ourselves in these circumstances, it is in that moment that God showcases his full strength. And because we have his strength, we are able to go through, not get stuck. We can go through difficult times again and again and again. In the Word for You Today devotional that's given to us from church, I recently read the passage titled, Keep Persevering. And it used the scripture from Hebrews 12:1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I would like to read um, part of that passage to you. And it said, before you were born, God anticipated your arrival. He couldn't wait. He knew you were coming. And he had a specific plan for you. And that plan involves dealing with problems and overcoming obstacles because that's how character is developed. The mark of a successful person is in his or her ability to see problems as opportunities instead of obstacles. And the most important lessons take place not when you celebrate good times, but persevere during the bad ones. The moment we raise our white flag and surrender to God, and we toss in our white towel and give him that difficult circumstance and tell him, let your will be done, then he comes alongside us to walk with us. This is when we're able to have the strength to persevere. 2 Corinthians 12.9 in the New King James Version says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God wants us to show, God wants to show unbelievers and Christians his greatness and power through the tribulations and struggles in their lives. Sometimes it feels like God walks us through one trial and another one is knocking at the door. So how are we supposed to keep persevering when difficult time after difficult time continues to come at us? One, we need to truly understand that our God is an awesome God and that no tribulation or obstacle we face is too big for him. God's strength is what makes us strong. We serve a powerful God. Jeremiah 32, 17 it says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. Can I be transparent for a moment? I've doubted God's power recently with this pandemic. When coronavirus hit, my world was rocked. I no longer was able to watch my kids play sports. We got separated from family. I'm a teacher who I love being with my kids in the classroom, and I can't anymore. And I began thinking that my problem, this pandemic, was too hard for even God to help. And he said to me, really? <laughs> really, <laughs> Becky? With one swipe of his arm, God created galaxies and universes and billions of stars. How is he not going to be able to handle this pandemic? I allowed myself to lose sight of God and his power and strength and lost my faith in his promises. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So number one, when we understand God's strength, we will persevere. Number two, when we stand in his presence with confidence and have a personal relationship with him, we will persevere. Ephesians 3.12 says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. 
This confidence is our relationship with Jesus. It's what we need because it enables us to pray and persevere. When we, when we can come to God with any obstacle, any problem, any trial, no matter how big, and have confidence that God will help us, guide us, and be with us through it all. That is how great our God is. He sent his only son for us to die so that through his son's crucifixion, we would have a way to stand in his presence and receive strength. Psalm 138.3 in the New King James Version. King David is praising God. And he's saying, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. And now that you're filled with God's strength, and the awareness that his strength comes from a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, he wants you to share it with others. Be a light. In Romans 1.12, Paul is writing to the Romans when he says, I'm eager to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. In this way, each of us will be a blessing to the other. God is not the only one with the power to bless. You, too, can build others up by showing them special favor. One way is through the gift of encouragement. When you encourage others by, love, by your loving example, actions, words, or prayers, you'll discover that your gift comes with a bonus. You will, in turn, be encouraged. In the Greek language, to encourage, it means to both share your strength with others as well as to be mutually comfort and comforted and strengthened. So the more you take the opportunity to cheer on, support, and strengthen those around you, the more you'll experience the joy that love can bring. Strengthen others by sharing how much they mean to you and to God. And let your light shine. Coming out of a year filled with chaos and unrest and so many other unknowns, many people are not able to experience peace. Instead, anxiety levels are on a rise. The latest data shows that 20% of Americans, over 47 million people, are living with some sort of mental health issue today. And the number could be as high as 40% of Americans. We need to take hold of the present, the gift, that God has given us and that he's already given us to the world, and that's peace. In John 14, 27, it says, I leave you a gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. That's what we've needed to do during these times. We've had to be courageous because we don't know what's going on. So we had to believe in something bigger than ourselves, and that's our hope in God. And we've had to use his strength, and most importantly, we've had to feel his love to be able to get through it. We need every aspect of peace. The English meanings of peace are freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Has anybody had those lately? A state of tranquility or quiet, free from agitation of mind. Anybody there yet? But when we look at the word peace in the Hebrew, we find a word that we're familiar with, and that's shalom, meaning peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and again, tranquility. But how can we have this peace? We can have this peace by standing on Hebrews 13.8, which says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic, he's going to be the same. His love for you was the same then, the same now, and it'll be the same afterwards. Those are the things we need to stand on. We can have peace and share God's peace because we know he is unchanging when everything around us is changing all the time. But what does this peace look like? I found an example, and I don't know if it's going to come up because it looks like we're having a little bit of screen problems, but I want you to picture this in your head, okay? There's a rose, and if anybody's seen a rose when it's first cut or whatever, 
or it's packaged, it's really, really tight and compressed, right? And then there's a picture of another rose that's been in water, it's been flourished, and it's totally widely open, right? Where we get that word picture. And I'm going to read this. Living in peace can, can be compared to the petals of a flower unfolding in the morning sunlight. The petals of peace in our lives unfold as we learn more about God. We discover that his character is always faithful. We experience his continual goodness. We read more about his promises. And we learn to bask in his overwhelming love for us. We refuse to allow the ever-changing circumstances to determine our level of contentment, relying instead on the character of God that never changes. Now, I look back at my life 20 years ago, all God looked like to me was a dandelion. He was better than a piece of grass. But when I look at him today and what he's done to my life 20 years later, all I can see is a flourishing rose that's absolutely beautiful. And I can't even bring in every aspect of it because there's so much detail and just process inside of it. And then the aroma that comes off it is just overwhelming. That's how good God is to us. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9 in the Amplified, and we're not going to see it up there, but it says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. That's having an expectation on God. And I think I started the 27th service like that. What are your expectations for God this year? It goes on to say in verse 7, And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that kind of peace, confidently knowing that no matter what happens, you're God's and he's yours. Which transcends all understanding, and we need to take this part in, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For the rest, brethren, whatever true, whatever worthy of reverence, and whatever is honorable and seemingly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovingly and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worth praise, think about and weigh on and take account of those things. Fix your minds on them. We don't look hear the word garrison that often, but it's a military word, meaning a body of troops stationed in a fortified place, guarding. And the peace of God shall garrison and guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How deeply we need this garrison of peace of God. Some troubling thought pops up in our mind, but no, the guard refuses to give it access. Some anxious concern tries to force its way into our heart, but the garrison bars it and kicks it aside. That's what this hope does. That's what this love does. That's what this peace does. That in all the trouble we have, knowing that we've got God's peace to guard our hearts and kick those thoughts aside. Therefore, once you have brought your request to him, the peace of, his loving, of our loving God garrisons, guards, protects us from every anxious, doubting thought. He loves us beyond our ability to comprehend, and his love is at work. He is working all things for good on our behalf. And how do we know this? Because I know that if it's not good, then God's not done. That's the only way it can be. If it's not good, then God's not done. Now, I didn't say if it's your way, God's not done. And what your good looks like and God's good looks like might be two different things. But if it's not good, God's not done. And we can get that from Romans 8.28 where it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose in them. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. If you don't have God in your life, there's no way you can have peace. But when you know God, and you know his characteristics, and you know who he is, and you can stand on his promises, 
you know God and you can have peace. And you can have that peace that garrisons your heart and keeps the anxiety and all the other things away. We serve a faithful God. He's sitting up on his throne and he's in complete control. Even though everything around us right now may seem out of control, our God is in control. Our world is dark because it's out of sync with God. The only thing that erases darkness is what? Light. Light. Our families, our friends, our coworkers, people we come in contact with at the grocery store, gas station, they need to see the light of Jesus. Not just during Christmas season, but all year round. Let's fill our cup with hope, love, strength, and peace so that the next time life bumps into us, our cup spills, we will be spilling out the light of Jesus for all to see. So let's let our light shine. Now with every head bowed, we're going to wrap up service this morning. Um, we just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here today, you're watching online and you have a desire to let your light shine and receive the greatest gift that was ever given to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I would ask that you would just repeat this prayer after me. Let us pray. Lord, I realize that I am a sinner. Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. To die on the cross for my sins. To die on the cross for my sins. I recognize my need for forgiveness. I recognize my need for forgiveness. And I surrender my life to you today. And I surrender my life to you today. I accept Jesus into my heart. I accept Jesus into my heart. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. Please show me your will. Please show me your will. And help me to become the person you want me to be. And help me to become the person you want me to be. Help me to shine for you each and every day. Help me to shine for you each and every day. Thank you for saving me. For saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Lord. If you receive